0: Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planners Financial Services member FINRA SIPC, guides clients with empathy in discovering and reaching their financial goals, and creates financial plans for clients so they can live their lives by design. In these episodes, he relates his expert financial insights and discusses timely topics. Royal strives for excellence and has a passion for sharing his knowledge and supporting his community. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Royal, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Eric? Fantastic. It's good to be back with you. I know that we're going to be
2: uh, answering some pretty important questions today. That's right. We keep a keep kind of a running tally of what questions do we get asked most often mm-hmm. either through the website or with clients. And uh, I do an unofficial poll around the office to kind of see what what questions have they heard from um, you know, clients and prospects who are calling into the office for the first time. So I thought we would just spend a little time and go over that list and hopefully answer some of the questions that we hear most often. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of these do revolve around working with a financial planner as well as kind kind of understanding some basic maybe blocking and tackling of looking at investing and understanding the different retirement account options you might have at work. Yep, and and also I know that
1: you've always been open to listeners sending in questions. So I'm sure some of these are some of the same questions that listeners have sent in to you. Of course, you answer them immediately, uh, but we like to include those in, on a podcast as well. Absolutely. All right, Roy, you've sent me the questions ahead of time, so I'm going to ask the question, and then you're going to you know educate the audience and myself. You ready? I'm ready. All right, Roy, th- this first one's probably my favorite on the list. When do I know that I need a financial planner? I mean, what? when do I get to the point where I'm like, okay, I need to get somebody involved.
2: That is a great question. And it is unique. I think for every person and their comfort level, when looking at the financial choices they have in front of them, the interesting thing is, is as financial planners, you know, we study the entire life cycle of someone's financial life all mm-hmm. the way from birth to death. And the interesting thing is, is, is most financial uh, planners and advisors are really focused on people who are at retirement and really once you are retired the number of remaining financial decisions you have in front of you is somewhat limited Um, there might be some things such as long-term care managing some taxes your estate planning documents but really for the most part it's really maintenance once you have reached retirement for those that are in their 20s, if they look out over the course of the next you know, 20, 30 years, they have so many different financial decisions that they may need help with along the way. Everything from, how do I maximize my earning potential? Uh, Mm -hmm. How do I buy that first house? Should I start investing in real estate? Am I taking advantage of the savings programs that my employer offers? Are there other things I need to know about? Uh, I might receive an inheritance. I might go through a divorce. There are so many different things there, and we haven't even talked about children and college planning yet, Mm -hmm. that in my opinion, the younger you can begin engaging in the financial planning process, if you want to do it all self-study, you know the internet is there, it's mostly free and there's a lot of good information on there. You can go down that, that route and start educating yourself there. Personally, I think the better option is to find someone who is willing and wants to work and add value to people's lives early on there and help uh, them build that financial plan for them and start being that sounding board as they navigate all those financial decisions. I think really the time you should start sitting down with a financial planner is usually if you're you're out of college and you're starting that first job, it really doesn't hurt to start establishing that relationship. Just like you go out and you establish a relationship with a with a family doctor. You're not necessarily going in there because something major is going on. You're going in there to establish a relationship. And I think that's exactly how you should start looking at your relationship with your financial planner. Um, one of the statistics one of the statistics I've seen recently is just looking at the difference between the net worth of someone working with a financial advisor versus those that don't. And for those working with a financial planner or advisor, it's two to two and a half times larger net worths in many cases, and that's really the value that working with a financial professional can bring to your life. Yeah, absolutely. All
1: right, for this next question, you've kind of touched on a little bit just in that previous answer, but what
2: exactly does a financial planner do? That's a great question. So in my mind, I I differentiate between a financial advisor and a financial planner. A financial advisor uh, or an investment manager is really someone there who is just there to implement uh, the investments in your accounts. They're there to manage your IRAs, your after-tax accounts, maybe help you with, with a few of the things around those accounts, and oftentimes that's it. A financial planner uh, does all of that, but really a financial planner views their value as what else can I add to this client's life and this relationship between us to help improve things and really utilize the investments that we're managing as a tool, not necessarily the end result. I feel like financial planning is something we need a lot more of in this country. Mm -hmm. We need people to provide that expertise to help people navigate what is really a very complex subject that isn't taught in schools. Um, most of our parents, unless we were very lucky, didn't share with us what they knew or or more importantly, what they didn't know about planning for the future. So we really feel like I think a lot of people are just alone and just trying their best. Maybe they've read an article or two and just kind of following along with that advice they received once, uh, when they picked up a a copy of the wall street journal Mm -hmm. or something like that. So, um, that's really what a financial planner does is they help navigate clients through those choices that they're going to face in life. They're going to help them with their investment accounts, but most importantly, they're going to be that sounding board as they're making financial decisions to say, is this, does this make sense for me? Or is this something I should maybe pass on? And I think that's the true value of financial planning there. Okay.
1: All right, you mentioned a family doctor earlier, and there's a lot of ways to determine what family doctor is best for you and your family. Um, but how do you determine the right fit when you're talking about hiring a financial planner?
2: See, that, that's a great question. Um, number one, what you're looking for, I think, is someone that you feel that you can trust. Uh, If you don't have trust in that relationship or if you always feel like there's a a hidden hidden motive in the relationship that the person you're working with is just trying to get you to buy something, um, that's really not the type of relationship you want to be looking for. You want someone that you can have a conversation with, you can ask questions to, and someone who can give you those answers in a way that you can understand. There's a lot of great professionals out there who I don't think have had a really meaningful conversation with someone mm-hmm. uh, in, in, at a level that they can understand. As financial advisors, we learn all these big words, these specific terms like fiduciary and asset allocation, all of these things that to the layman doesn't really mean much. So you need to find somebody who can um, bring down the conversation. Uh, to the level that you have a full understanding of what's being talked about. And someone who's willing to to go back and say, okay, let, let's simplify this. Let's, let's make this in more of a bite-sized conversation so that you can get your arms around what we're talking about.
1: So you said the word trust. I'm, I'm just going to ask you a follow-up question. How do you know if you can trust them?
2: Well, that's a big question, isn't it? How do we know we can trust anyone? Um, the biggest thing I think, um, and, and this is maybe a little woo-woo, but uh, I've never been been too concerned about going there, is <laughs> trust your gut.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: If if something doesn't feel right, listen to your gut. If something doesn't make sense to you and there's not an effort to increase your understanding of it, look look for ways that someone is trying to build trust with you. Um, But yeah, listen to your gut. If, If your gut is telling you something's not right here, this isn't the right fit, it's okay to move on and try to find someone else who does fit what you're looking for.
1: Now, I've heard of broker check. Is that something that's a good
2: resource? Absolutely. So broker check is the national database of financial advisors that are registered with FINRA. Uh, There's also ones for if you are just registered with the states or the SEC, but you can go to broker check. You can put in anyone who's involved in the financial industry and pull up their work history. You can take a look at uh, where they've worked, how long they've been in the business, and if there's any uh, complaints or any other tax or legal issues that they've been dealing with. Fantastic. That's an excellent. What was that? I was going to say, I I think that that, that's very, very
1: helpful. I mean, that's something that, again, you know, a lot of people go to the the Better Business Bureau or they'll go on and see what kind of ratings people have. But broker check, I think, is uh, pretty thorough.
2: It is. It is. I mean, it really is our regulatory report that is publicly available. You can see what other other activities or businesses they're involved in. Um, So you really get a good picture of, where this person has been, what their experience is, and what they're involved with—that's an excellent resource. Everyone should look at, at, at BrokerCheck just to verify that who they're working with, um, you know, has has the the experience that they're putting out that mm-hmm. they have. So, but but ultimately, I think it, it it also comes down to making sure that you're you're feeling taken care of in that relationship. Got it. Now, I I know that advisors, some of them have minimums or what they call minimums. Do
1: all financial advisors have minimums?
2: So, no, not all financial advisors have minimums. And when we say a minimum, usually the most common one we're seeing is a assets under management uh, minimum, meaning that certain financial advisors only want to talk to people with more than a million dollars or two million dollars. There's a lot of different ways that they can look at that. It might be a minimum fee per year that they want to generate from their clients. So um, financial advisors all have a, a different minimum. Some don't have a minimum at all. Um, others have a soft minimum. Uh, what a soft minimum is is they say they have a a, a minimum, but they will take clients who, are below that minimum if there was a referral of some kind or another business arrangement or relationship there. For us at OPFA, we don't have a, a minimum of any kind, but there's other factors that we use to determine whether or not someone will be the right type of client we want to bring into our practice we know that there's only so many uh, people we can serve. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we want to be very selective about the people that uh, we can serve. So number one, we're really looking for a good personality fit in any of the clients that we agree to work with. So if someone, not not to be rude comes across as a jerk or treats our staff rude Mm -hmm. uh, that's someone that we're going to decide not to work with if someone isn't willing to take our advice and repeatedly just does does the opposite of what we're recommending Mm -hmm. uh, we're really going to evaluate that and say maybe maybe this isn't the right fit not to say you have to do everything your financial advisor recommends but we if we're spending the time having that conversation, we we kind of want to hear why you're making that decision. And then finally,, um, you know, what we're looking to do with our clients is have lifelong relationships where we're providing tremendous value to our clients' lives. we We really are looking for those clients where we can add a lot of value to their life as well as their family. So, that really is a determination for us uh, here at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors on the types of clients we're looking for. There, there's not a, um, a hard or a soft minimum here, but but we are looking at some other factors to mm-hmm. determine right fit clients for us.
1: Well, and I like that. I mean, the, the bottom line is that what you said right at the beginning makes the most sense to me. There's only so many clients that you're willing to take on, and I it's it's... You're willing to take on just because there's only a certain amount of clients you can actually service well. I think that people get caught up and uh, with other advisors that are just trying to bring as many people on board, they're going to sell, 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 and then the service quality just goes to the toilet. It really it's, it's terrible because they have too many clients. So I love the fact that you do limit it uh, based on you know having that high level of service. So that's great. Royal, the next question that was emailed in is, this is, I I already know where this one's going, but how much does a Roth IRA make, Royal?
2: (laughs) So this is one we hear on a a fairly regular basis when we're um, meeting with uh, new prospects. How much does a Roth IRA make? Is that different from what a traditional IRA makes? There's a misconception there about Roth IRAs or traditional IRAs or, or investments in general. And and that is that a Roth IRA by itself is an investment. A Roth IRA by itself is not an investment. A Roth is simply an account that you can put money into to then invest. And there are special tax rules around a Roth IRA, primarily that once you make a contribution into a Roth IRA, those dollars, as well as the investment gains on the Roth IRA, uh, are tax-free as long as you're kind of following some very general rules there that you have it at least five years and that you're over the age of 59 and a half when you start taking distributions out. That's, that's really one of the biggest mis- mis- misconceptions I see, especially for people starting off. Getting confused between what is the investment portion that I'm doing versus What is the tax qualification of it? For instance, a traditional IRA is a tax-deferred account, so you can defer taxes by putting money into it. The money grows tax-deferred, and then when you get to retirement, begin taking distributions, that's when you're paying tax on it. So it's a little bit of the opposite of the Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing, too, is any investment for the most, and if we're talking about stocks or bonds or mutual funds, ETFs, you can make inside of a Roth IRA. You can also make that outside of a Roth IRA in a traditional individual or joint account. So there's nothing special necessarily about the Roth wrapper that's put around the account beyond just the tax treatment of those investments. So it can be a little confusing there, but just, you know, for, for anyone who's new and, and starting the process of investing just realize that the only thing special there is the tax treatment when you look at a Roth IRA or mm-hmm. a traditional IRA yep. yep and you've done a very thorough podcast on that
1: before I'm not sure what the number is but when people go back to the library of podcasts you've done they'll, they'll find a lot more info there all right Royal the next person is asking this question what are the
2: basics of retirement accounts now that's a huge question It it is. We kind of touched on it there in the last answer. So, um, you know, first off, let's just talk about making an investment in an after-tax, um, environment, meaning that you're using money that you've already paid taxes on, um, you know, we consider that an after-tax investment and what's going to happen is, is each year you have to account for any interest that you earn or any capital gains that were generated in the account. Um, So you're paying a tax bill every year, generally, on those after-tax accounts. You're basically paying your taxes as you go. For those just starting off, that's usually pretty tax uh, efficient because those gains, if you only have a few thousand dollars in an account aren't going to be that large. Mm-hmm. But as you get into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, those those uh, interest that, that you're earning, as well as any capital gains that are being generated, those dollar amounts can get very large, so that's where we bring in a lot of tax management uh, around those accounts. Now, if you're looking specifically at retirement accounts, I really divide this into two different buckets. Number one, there's the tax-deferred bucket, which is the traditional IRA or traditional 401k, simple IRA, traditional 403b plan. Those are all accounts that hold deferred income. What that means is that is income that you have never paid taxes on. You're deferring it into a retirement plan of some kind. Uh, You're investing that money. That money is hopefully growing over time. And then at retirement you're pulling that money out and you are then paying taxes on that. So whenever we look at those traditional uh, retirement accounts, we're always factoring in that there's a certain percentage of that account that is going to be owed in taxes. It all comes down to how much you pull out and is is how much you're going to be taxed on in a given year. But we always know if you have a million dollar IRA, for instance, that anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 percent of that depending on your your tax bracket is going to be uh, owed in taxes when you take a distribution from that on the other side of that ledger are the tax-free accounts those are the Roth IRA Roth 401k Roth 403b Um, all of those accounts the income that gets deferred into those accounts you've already paid taxes on so once you make that deferral into a Roth, that money is now tax-free from that point on and grows tax-free. So for instance, if you have someone with a million dollar Roth IRA um, and they take a distribution out, that is all tax-free. That's the beauty of trying to get most of your savings over into a tax-free account versus a tax-deferred account. And. Where it really comes down to where it makes planning sense is where are you adding in life? Uh, how much are you making to really look at that to see where the biggest benefit is? If you're just starting off, for, for most people, starting a Roth IRA really does make quite a bit of sense. Um, if you're close to retirement, you might just want to bank the tax savings you get from maximizing your tax deferred deferrals. So That's where the financial planner can really come in. Look at the individual situation and answer those specific questions versus just using kind of, um, roughly drawn guidelines, uh, to say Roth's good, traditional's Mm -hmm. bad Mm -hmm. or vice versa. Um, I think it really comes down to the individual situation and that's where working with a financial planner, uh, does make the most sense.
1: Yeah. Well, this is going to be our last question. Um, and this is, again, I think this is where a lot of people sit when they first look at, okay, I've got some money. I, I need to do something for retirement. I need to save or I need to invest. So the question is, how do I make
2: sense of where to save or where to invest? Great question. So we walk through some, some steps initially to make sure that you're, number one, in a place where you can start investing. So... The first thing we wanna make sure of is that you have at least three months of savings in the bank. We wanna make sure before we tie any money up in retirement accounts that you have that buffer so that if something happens, you don't have to turn to credit cards right away. We wanna make sure that you have uh, that buffer in your savings account. We don't want that money invested. We want it liquid available to you. So once, once you check off that box, then it's really looking at, well, what do you have available to you? So if you have an employer sponsored 401k plan, 403b, simple IRA, you wanna make sure that you're getting the most out of that uh, account as possible. Meaning that you wanna make sure you're putting in enough at least to get the match that's being offered, or offered by the company. Some companies don't match at all. So that might change the calculus there. Especially for younger folks, we do like to see money go into those tax-free accounts because the longer you have to make those deferrals the larger the impact is on the compound interest that those accounts can earn so uh, especially for those those that are let's say under the age of 35 or 40 uh, roths really do tend to make the most sense Um, and then ultimately i would say a lot of people just don't do not realize that they can start investing money outside of retirement accounts And honestly, it makes a lot of sense for a lot of people. Being able to put, let's say 500 or $1,000 a month into an after-tax account and start building wealth outside of retirement accounts, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: really is a fantastic strategy because it gives you ultimate flexibility of how you wanna use those funds. So that's something that oftentimes people really get fixated on the retirement savings and don't realize that they can use an after-tax account or, or non-qualified account to begin saving and investing and have access to that money and not tie it to that 59-and-a-half-year-old uh, date that you have to reach before you can start accessing those funds. Got it. All right. As we wrap this podcast up today, um, I think kind of a
1: general question that the, the listener may be asking themselves right now is, given this information that you've given today,
2: where do I go from here? So from here… I would probably go back to that first question. When do I know that I need a financial planner? And hopefully, after we've gone through all of this this information, um, you have a pretty good sense of you know, do I have more questions now, or, or does all this make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say, if you have more questions, have reach out, have a conversation with a financial planner. Um, we're happy to sit down with you um, and, and have that that first appointment where we just get to know you and your situation and can kind of start painting a map of, of where you should be going from there based on where you tell us where you wanna be down the road. So you can visit our website at opfa.com to schedule that first appointment with any of our advisors. Um, and that would be probably the, the best next step that you can take on your journey towards financial independence.
1: Perfect. All right, Royal, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. And if you want to email Royal any other questions that came up either during this episode or from any other podcasts you've listened to, I know Royal and his team are very open to that. Royal, can you give your email address one more time? Yep, very simple. It's royal at opfa.com. Perfect. Thanks again, Royal. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not meant to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.
1: Withdrawals from a traditional IRA prior to age 59 and a half will be subject to ordinary income tax and may also incur a 10% penalty unless an exception applies. Contributions to a Roth IRA are subject to income limitations. You may take non-taxable withdrawals from a Roth IRA if you are at least 59 and a half and the account has been held at least five years. Otherwise, earnings withdrawn may be subject to ordinary income tax and a 10% penalty.